Hello and welcome to episode 126 of The Winning Agenda. My name's Jesse Marshall and joining me tonight, it, as always, is my lovable byroad sidekick, Wilfred E. Horry. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I hope everyone on the internet is doing well also. And rejoining us after a few weeks hiatus playing Dungeons and & Dragons and doing all sorts of other things is Hollis Echo. Hey everybody, how you guys doing? You could say he was revived by a necromancer. <laughs> Hopefully... How do you feel about that, Hollis? Hopefully without any, like, um, e- evil. Hopefully he hasn't become evil, so, turned into a lich or anything. So I was, I was a level 5 human, and uh, I'm now a level 6 wraith. Wow. Oh my. You know, with age comes experience and all that. So, you know, that's how I'm going to plan that. Mm-hmm. Mm, Hollis is like a good wine. He ages well. Okay, so <laughs> today... Um, what we're going to be talking about is the final insta- installment in our Terminal Directive card review, and it's the Wayland and the Neutral Corp cards. Before we dive into that, I guess uh, it's probably worth, since we haven't spoken to you for a good four or five weeks, Hollis, just catching up on how you've been going. Uh, have you played much Netrunner? I know I know, we spoke briefly about your recent D&D career there, but what else have you been up to? Um, so the majority of the, the Netrunner experience lately has been primarily like playing a lot with a Terminal Directive. Um, in my local meta, we sort of kind of uh, dedicated the last couple Saturdays to count to people working their way through the Terminal Directive game, um, and that's that's actually been really fun. I feel like um, majority wise, the experience has been positive, and if for no other reason but because people are kind of being forced to play with cards and, and deck ideas they normally wouldn't uh, play with. Um, there's there is some negative feedback in in terms of like uh, like power level, like for example, like there's a clear. I think a lot of people definitely understand that like the criminal options are are superior to the the shaper options available. Um, yeah, and it's kind of rough that the suggested deck is a shaper deck because I feel it puts runners at a severe disadvantage if you build the the suggested decks in the box. Yeah, like like if, if I could, I would say like uh, I know the FFG has already given an errata for like the suggested decks they they provide because they're not even legal. But I kind of wish they would like bend the rules a bit. Maybe in the suggested decks, they allow the use of like uh, self-modifying code or any other number of cards that are kind of already part of the, the uh, shaper toolbox that balance it better. In general, Crim having a program tutor or at least an icebreaker tutor is really powerful, and so it makes it very difficult to kind of even recommend even playing shaper um, when you don't have like the tutor tools on hand to make it as simple but you know either way like um that's kind of that's kind of been the last couple of weeks it's like uh you know playing term- terminal directive having fun um mm. trying to get the narrative beyond that it's also been uh you know like i said i've been playing um a fair amount of dungeons and dragons having some fun there hanging out with friends playing other board games it's been good like um i think that i personally am really excited about the upcoming rotation and also uh seeing mm-hmm. how that's going to affect because the understanding is that it should hit before uh, Worlds of this, uh, the World's Championship of this year. Mm. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that's going to shake up the meta when the first two uh, sets kind of rotate out and we see what the competitive community and the casual community come up with as the, the go-to decks of each of the individual factions. So I'm excited. Awesome. And are you, in the interim, before rotation, are you going to be playing any regionals this year or heading along to Gen Con? Uh, so I am going to Gen Con. Um, I will be going. Uh, I will be uh, 100% at Gen Con. However, right now it's a question mark um, if I'm going to be playing Netrunner or Legend of the Five Rings. 
I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. It's hard. Wow. It's, it's, it's a tough. It's a tough decision. Um, based on their time frame, I can't do them both. So I, I have kind of have to choose, and it's a really hard choice because I like I okay. like them both, but one is sort of uh, the new shiny. So I want to I want to play with the new shiny. Um, do you have any handsome Australian friends who play Legend of the Five Rings though? I don't, and all of my friends in Australia are handsome and play Netrunner, so that that's probably really good uh, incentive for playing Netrunner. Just being real. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key question that everyone should ask themselves about. Pretty Netrunner. much, Every, if you're not asking yourself that question, that means you don't have any cute friends. Period. I'll, I'll put that out there. Uh, no, no, but I mean, it, I'm excited. Like, I think it's going to be a lot of fun at Gen Con. I'm going to play both these games. I really am a fan of the LCG format, and you know, in general. So. Um, I'll get to play some competitive games of Netrunner, play some competitive, semi-competitive games of uh, L5R, and we're going to see. Like, I really, I really expect to have a great time this year. It's going to be fantastic. Awesome. So I guess now's a good time for us to dive straight into the, the Wayland cards, and since you were talking a little bit about Terminal Directive already, Hollis, I'll throw to you with this one. It's Scorpius Defense Systems Persuasive Power. It's the Wayland ID in the box. It's a subsidiary, 40 minimum deck size, 15 influence, Whenever a runner card is trashed from any location, you may force the runner to remove it from the game instead of having, adding it to the heap. Use this ability only once per turn. How have you felt about this card? Uh, I guess what was your initial impression, and then how have you felt playing with it? So, I will say this. I, I've, I've pretty much only encountered this card playing in my Terminal Directive games. Not many people yet, because my meta uh, has... a. Uh, I have, a, I have a shrunk meta, um, but it's incredibly annoying. <laughs> it's, it's really, really oppressive. Like, I often find that um, in, there's, inst- there's instances where I would normally trash, like, a duplicate card in my hand um, mm-hmm. at the end of my turn. Well, the sort of difficult, like, concept here is that, all right, so I have, I'll say I play Earthrise Hotel. If I have Earthrise Hotel and I have maybe two in my hand, normally I would say, all right, get rid of one, save the other one. Well, this is a little complicated. Because when I trash Earthrise, it's gone forever. And while normally well, no, I would... if you trash it from your hand at the end of turn, it doesn't count. That's the no. only exception to this. Right. I'm, I'm saying that if it's in play and it, you know, it mm. fires all three times, I then yep. trash it and then the corp gives the option to re- remove that yep. from game. And like, the yep. difficulty here is like, I found myself often kind of considering, okay, I would normally get rid of this card completely, but because I know I don't get to get it back from a Deja Vu or I don't get it back from a... Uh, uh, a same old thing, you know, in the case of an event, it makes me want to hold duplicates of cards I would normally just throw away. And that is sort of difficult. Like, it's almost, um, it's this added level of pressure based on cards that I would normally just kind of uh, be fine to throw away. If I have two account siphon in hand, and I, can, I know I can only play one and, I, and, and be, like, uh, comfortable with that, um, doing a siphon, trashing that card and saying, okay, it's gone from the game, Sort of makes me second guess if I really want to do that. If I have a similar thing on the table, like okay, do I play this now? Maybe I play the inside job first, see if they remove that card, and then play my siphon because I know that stays, mm. and I can same old thing it later. Um, I feel like the card is really oppressive, but in general, I think it's incredibly powerful. Being forty, uh, minimal forty deck size and fifteen influence, that's it makes it one of the best in terms of uh, Wayland IDs. One of the best IDs we've seen for like a. Like uh, agenda density and, and things like that. Like I, I, I like it. I am, I am a fan. Cool, uh, Wilfie. How have you found in your games, either as runner or playing as Scorpius, if you have it all, um, 
have you found the ability that Hollis was talking about to put that subtle pressure on the runner and make them make some difficult choices? Have you found that to be good enough to push this to playability? Or do you think that that's not quite enough for your ID to do? Yeah, I think that the main strength of this card is actually in deck building in the sense that it enables you to build a deck that cares about fewer of the things that the runner does. Like Mm -hmm. when you're building a prison deck where you're game plan is to get to a board state that the runner can't deal with um, and that's what you're planning to do basically every game which is, I, I think is the best way to build this identity even if it's not necessarily the only way you can do it if you're trying to do that turning some of your opponent's cards from being like very good against you that is to say things that disrupt your game plan of destroying the runner's breakers or otherwise removing their ability to get into your servers um changing some cards like cards that get things back from the heap from being very good against you because they successfully blunt your game plan's effectiveness to being ineffective against you because ideally with enough timing you with good timing you should be able to um remove from the game any targets for those recursion cards (laughs) um that's being able to flip that switch from those cards being really good to those cards being really bad, I think it enables for for this archetype, enables for Scorpios to potentially push this archetype into playability. And for the first, you know, couple weeks of Terminal Directive, of the post-Terminal Directive format, um, we saw Scorpios kind of, um, maybe not terrorize the metagame, but it was definitely very present, like, a very pervasive threat um, and something that I think you, even now you have to build your deck around the fact that it's a very strong linear game plan to put that run, put the runner into that sort of prison situation. Yeah, is it a bit of a one-trick pony though, do you think? Like in the sense that um, a lot of the prison strategies and the control court strategies that we've seen recently from uh, industrial genomics to uh, even if you want to you know, count Gagarin and things that have faded out of the metagame a little bit, a lot of them have a consistent plan to tax the runner's resources and no matter what sort of runner deck they've got, no matter how many of each card type there are in the runner's deck um, and whether they're playing things like Scrubber or Wizard, those decks generally have a plan to try and overtax the runner's resources to open up windows to either kill them or score out. Whereas I feel like with Scorpios, it's quite binary in the sense that you're trying to whittle away their resources really until you've gotten rid of a particular type of breaker. Like that seems to be the way that people have sort of tried to leverage this ability for long game advantage. And I think that's really the only way you can. And so in that sense, it's either you get rid of all of one type of breaker and you succeed or you don't and you fail. And that's dependent on a couple of things. One is how often you're able to land things like Hunter Seeker, whether you can hit some random breakers with net damage, and how many breakers of each type your opponent's playing. And some of those things are sort of out of your control. And for that reason, I've found it quite difficult to make a consistent Scorpius deck. Um, That's true. Yeah, like we have to, I think, maybe go into an aside and say that Color Go to Real TV is something which I would have literally never expected to see on the other side of the table to me um, in the history of the game of Netrunner but it has Um, but in terms of your point I think that yeah it is true that Scorpius is a lot more binary than 
like bioethics based prison decks or um, gagger index or any as basically most other prison decks that we've seen in the game but I don't necessarily see that as being a bad thing like it is a bad thing in that you don't have as much yeah it is more what the runner does is sort of a bit more out of your control in that you have you basically only have one game plan and it's a lot harder to deviate from that game plan than it would be for an asset um, focused prison deck mm. because with those assets you still the, the assets can still do multiple things like you know you can still try to maneuver into a game plan where the no matter what your assets do if they generate you some advantage the runner just gets swamped by them at some point right it's not like you have to pivot from being way behind to suddenly assembling a combination of two or three cards and being way ahead like you don't necessarily need like chairman hero ronin and bioethics at the same time for your um industrial genomics deck to be effective you can just you know, get the runner's resources down with bioethics or whatever, right? Yeah. Whereas Scorpius, you don't really have that potential so much. But I think it also is a strength in the sense that if you have narrow, like, there are lots of cards that are good against assets in the game, and like, basically every deck can play something that's good against assets. Whereas cards that are good against Scorpius are a lot narrower, and like, yeah, it does really matter when you build your runner deck how many of those sort of cards you have, but. I feel like it also maybe is an advantage to to sort of sidestep the regular asset hate that might be strong, or like sidestep a lot of the cards that might incidentally be strong against you. Like, but I feel like I feel like asset hate cards are a, a, an addition to what you would normally want to include in your runner deck generally to have a good game plan. I mean, Temujin is an uh, exception to that, uh, and things like that, uh, security testing. But most of the asset hate cards, like Scrubber are things that you have to include in addition or imp. Um, whereas for to hate out Scorpius, all you really need to do is put in a couple more breakers potentially, which are cards that you're already going to include in your deck anyway and aren't really bad cards. Um, or you just have to be really careful with your breakers or maybe have a sacrificial construct or maybe play a film critic, which is a really versatile card as well. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like Scorpius has to interact with a particular type of card, if you're going down that plan of trying to get rid of a particular type of breaker and lock them out. Um, and that card type in programs has been traditionally the hardest card type for corpse to interact with um, in a proactive way. Uh, so you're, if you're relying on destroyers and things like Marcus Batty, then you're relying on being reactive to some degree uh, and also winning a side game with Batty. If you're relying on things like Hunter Seeker, then you're relying on setting up... Um, a particular chain of events at a particular time in the game, which I think is a lot more fragile than decks that are just trying to deal net damage, which don't care what card they're hitting in the hand. You know, you're always doing the same thing. You're just building up this machine that's doing net damage. And it doesn't matter what type of card the runner has in their hand. They can only draw a certain number of cards in the turn anyway. You know, that's what you, the equation that you're dealing with. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I do... Like, I do think it's a... There are positives and negatives to that. Like, even without asset hate cards... If you use that example, go back to that example, because yeah. I think it's good. Even without any asset hate cards in your deck, a runner still has a conceivable game plan to 
um, potentially counteract asset decks, like depending on the strength of the asset decks draw, etc. Yeah. Um, but you don't necessarily need any particular card. Whereas I think with Scorpios, you need to build your deck with Scorpios in mind. Otherwise, you just like it's not like a, a regularly constructed deck is much worse against Scorpios than it is against an asset prison deck. I think. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that's true. Because I think the the vast weakness for Scorpius decks, like with most Wayland decks, is being having your centrals dug really quickly. You don't have a lot of spikiness in your centrals. You're not necessarily threatening to kill. And if you do bring in that kill threat, um, that takes up more card slots and leaves you with less flex slots for things like Hunter Seeker. Mm-hmm. So you're squeezed in card slots just like you always are in Wayland, where if you want to play Scorch Death, if you want to play Boom, if you want to play tagging cards those are more slots that you're taking away from this new Scorpio strategy that you're trying to develop of a different control strategy. So you haven't, I think if you want to punish deep central digs, you have to compromise your core strategy. And if you don't do that, then medium and a couple of decent breakers early on in the game can just completely blow you out because you haven't got enough quick ways to be reactive. That's true. I do think that it doesn't, like Scorpios, the way it is, sort of doesn't really synergize with Wayland's strengths that it has at the moment. So I can see that being an issue that, like, sure, you have some cards that work with Scorpios, but in general, your pa- the power level of your cards is much lower than it would be in, like, a net damage prison deck where there are there's a wealth of Jinteki cards that help your strategy and, you know, you have ice that helps your strategy, agendas that help your strategy, etc., mm-hmm. etc., et right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Hollis, any other thoughts on Scorpius? No, I agree. You guys have a lot of good points. Cool, cool. A lot, actually. Uh, the next card, <laughs> next card in the pack is Armored Servers, and I'll throw this one to you as well, Hollis, because this is probably one of the better 4 for 2s we've seen for a long time. It compares reasonably favorably to Nisei Mark II, which has been one of the best 4 for 2s over the history of the game. Right. It reads, place one agenda counter on Armored Servers when you score it. Spend your hosted agenda counter. For the remainder of this run, the runner must trash a card from his or her grip as an additional cost to jack out or break a subroutine. Use this ability only during a run. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, in general, like, like um, when I look at a card like Hive, it's very interesting because like um, I think often what we see in Netrunner is that the strength is increased before the number of subroutines, and a card like Hive is very much like, you know, you've got five subroutines. So... In order for, Do you in mention order for, Hive because the Hive is basically on the art of this card? Yeah, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> so, like, but a, a Hive, like, early game, like, no agenda scored, it's like, okay, we trash five cards from your hand to break subroutines. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty, like, that's pretty significant when you consider, okay, like, something like a Hive and an Ice Wall or Enigma can't, like, any number of things could, like, be really, really, like, you, you can't, you can't get through mm. in the in the early part of the game. Now, Wayland has already you know since What Lies Ahead has had Project Atlas, which helps which helps you um, tutor. But it's very cool to me that like a card like Armored Service says, all right, so this is the Wayland version of that Nisei Mark II, where okay, I've got a five three. Can you get in? Because even if you can get in, uh, do you have cards in your hand? So it's like you have two different economies here t- uh, after Armored Services like, is there. You have the, the credit economy, and then on top of the credit economy, it's like or how many cards are in your hand? So you got to yep. pay the money. 
you have to now break the the ISIS there and have available cards to get in. And that doesn't mean uh-huh. that after you get there, there won't be an Ash or a Caprice or any no a Prisec, which I know that you know that you, you guys love. So, mm-hmm. so like, like I feel like um, for Waylon is one of the I agree with that is is one of the best four twos in, in the game at this point. Um, the neutrals, like when we look at NAPD contract and uh, oh my gosh, uh, corporate sales team, corporate sales team, yeah, yep. those are obviously very good. But if I'm in Waylon and I want to make sure I have some sort of like level of protection for scoring heavier agendas or scoring the next agenda, this seems like a pretty obvious include. Mm-hmm. Wilfie, thoughts on this one? A couple things. One, I think that the comparison to Nisei is the clear comparison, but this is sort of uh, weakened in effectiveness because it's the, a reverse Nisei. With Nisei, you get to use the ability when the runner's already expended all their resources uh, and gotten through, and like mm-hmm. in combination with Caprice, it might not even be possible to, for them to expend the same number of resources and get in again, whereas with this, you have to use it before they've expended well, not necessarily any resources, but not definitely not all of their resources, like between some and between none and some of their resources, yeah. right? Can you... I guess it's quite hard to set up a situation where you use this and then the runner says, okay, rather than just jacking out... I mean, they do have to trash a card to jack out, which is worth pointing out, but... Um, so if they have no cards in hand and you spend this counter, then they have to hit the ice, which means that there can be edge case scenarios where you make them hit punishing ice with this that they otherwise wouldn't want to. Um, yeah, but I guess the in the other situation where your ice is, say you've got one rezzed on the outside and then maybe one or two not rezzed, um, is there a situation where you use your counter and the runner says, okay, I'm going to try and get in. They break the first piece of ice, trash some cards from their hand and then realize they can't get past the next ones that you res I mean mm. true but especially now that uh, conspiracy breakers are so common yeah. I would expect that to be not as likely just because um, it's um, easier for the runner to, to work out whether they can get into a server or not it's not like you can it's much harder now to res two types and successfully gear check them. Oh, I don't. I don't mean that used to be. Oh. I don't mean necessarily gear checking. I mean in terms of having enough cards in hand to break all your subroutines. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. And that yeah, in that case, it's it is a bit more like Nisei in that you can use, like because it's sort of like the further in you get the runner before they end the run, the more it is like Nisei, right? Yep. And if you can get yeah, that's the best situation where you can get them to. Continue, you can use it, get them to continue so they take some damage from this in addition to the, to the cost they incur to break the ice and then end up jacking out. So yeah, like if you... Because you can, can use this in the window after they initiate the run you can use this and then they have to encounter the first piece of ice anyway. Yes, okay, I see what you mean. Yep. Yep. So that might be the best use for this because yeah, then they break the ice take the damage, and then jack out, right? Yep. And then um, also take another damage so, for jacking out. Oh, yeah, sure, 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 yep. Um, so, yeah, I think like I think this card's actually pretty versatile. Like, it, it, all you need is to create a remote that has some punishing ice in front of it, right? And mm-hmm. it has the chance to be, um, very, like, strong in the sense that it can help you. It's a Wayland agenda that lets you score your next agenda, which I think... 
is something that they do need. Mm. Like, since at the moment, Wayland has no viable um, remote scoring, like, viable... Apart from the Scorpius thing we mentioned earlier, Wayland has to score things in a remote to win yep. the game still. Um, I will also mention that this plus Komayunu plus uh, something else kills them. Uh, so if they run into Komayunu and then assuming that they, I think, like if they don't have any protection or whatever, yep. then they... Yep, so com- this Komayunu and Prysek or some other, any other source of damage yeah. uh, or any other subroutine that deals some damage kills them, which I think is not that hard to set up. The only issue is Komayunu's influence cost, but, you know, that might be... There might be something there, I think. I think the maybe the only issue is that it's hard... Like, that requires a lot of setup and, you know, it sort of doesn't really do a lot that Wayland decks don't already want to do, like plus great, etc. is still good against that. Um, wait, no it isn't. Against the um, price set part it is, but if it's a net, another net damage... Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so yeah, it is functionally still good against it. I just, yeah, come in and deals net damage, but damage protection in general is good against this card, which I suppose is my point. Um, and that sort of overlaps a lot with most Wayland decks nowadays. Mm. I mean, the damage obviously doesn't work against this card's ability, but it does work against any other punishing ice that you're trying to synergize with. Is that what you meant? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're trying to use this to actually flatline the runner, mm-hmm. then damage prevention is... Yeah, so that that sort of leads it a bit more towards the original... What we were originally talking about, which is using it as a sort of Nisei. And I think it's actually fairly strong, but it requires a lot of setup, so... You sort of need to build your deck around it. Yeah, cool. Um, I think that pretty much sums it up. The next card... Now, you may think, dear listeners, that we've spent quite a little while talking about these first two cards, and you would be correct, because they're probably two of the more interesting cards, uh, at least for the next little while, in this Wayland card pool. So we'll probably skip over the next few quite quickly. Illicit Sales, Wilfie. Three for one agenda expansion. When you score Illicit Sales, you may take one bad publicity, gain three for each bad publicity that you have. This seems pretty bad to me. Thoughts? It is like profiteering, yeah, but it's much worse than profiteering because it just gives you less money in general, and for it to give you more money, you have to have already scored something like profiteering, preferably profiteering itself. So, like, I guess sort of the point is that if you're trying to generate a large amount of bad pub, then, like, you don't it's probably through scoring profiteering or other things that give you lots of money so having lots of bad pub and getting lots of money isn't really what you want You're the best time to score profiteering is to, as the first agenda of the game or whatever mm-hmm. so it helps you score your next agendas but this doesn't really help in that respect Nope, I think it's awful next card in the pack is yours Hollis it's Graft, it's a 5 for 3 agenda, no subtype when you score draft, when you score graft rather, you may search your deck for up to three cards, reveal them, add them to HQ, shuffle R and D. Are Wayland combos, three card combos, even good enough that even once you score this, you're gonna win the game? Mm, I mean, like, basically, I feel like if if you can score this five three, you're probably already in a good position in the game anyway, right? Like, I mean. Mm. And even if you're able to go get the mid-season or sea source and the Scorch Scourge, at that point, your opponent knows that you have that in hand. 
they're gonna play cautiously, mm-hmm. which means either either you you are you ignore it and you you get killed, or you don't ignore it and they score agendas and win the game, right? Because you have the the credit economy, you have the credit uh, the credits to to beat them on the sea source or mid season score scorch, um, mm-hmm. or you don't run and so they're gonna just score the the next three two and four two or five three or whatever. So yeah, but I mean that that whole plan relies on the idea that the corp can somehow score graft and still be ahead on credits. Yeah, like like the thing is like the ability is really powerful. Like getting searching your deck for three cards, any cards, is amazing. But even then, it's a five three. Is it amazing? Uh, I think in general, like like the ability to say I, I need like any three cards in your deck, you can get. But you have I to get them right now. Like, would you rather have this or just I, one Atlas counter? I would rather. Each of these things, like the three cards, I would rather I would rather it be three counters. Yeah, but like if what I, I'm if asking I, is, would you rather have this ability or one Atlas counter? I don't think I would rather have one Atlas counter. I think to compare it, I would need two. But I I get that point. Okay. Like yeah. I would I would I would rather I would rather say whenever I need it, I go find the card mm. and put it in my hand versus I got to get it right now. Yeah, I feel like the end of. The end of the corpse turn is about the worst time for the corp to choose what cards to get, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you're gonna have you have a you have a minimal hand size, especially if you're trying to score five three. That pretty much means you're going into all event. You draw your your mandatory card. You go into all advance, advance, and the following turn you draw again and go advance, advance, advance most of the time. So now your hand's at six, and now you're getting three cards. You're at nine. Well, rip. Hello. Like, what's the what's the great plan? at having nine cards in hand is like not not optimal. Um, it's tough. Like, I mean, it's it's cool that it's there as a five three, but like, it would never ever beat like GFI or I don't know. Like, like, could you get three economy cards and it'd be okay? Maybe. Like, maybe that's the best way to use this maybe. to help you score your next agenda. But maybe. Uh, I mean, you could get a defensive upgrade, help to set up your next agenda, set, uh, your next remote score. But at that point. You'd hope you were sort of there already if you've managed to score a five for three, right? And and so a card you guys reviewed before, like if you look at the five three agenda from HB, right? The five three yeah. agenda from HB is basically a better version of the four two agenda of efficiency committee, yeah, because it doesn't limit you from like getting the advancement tokens. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, it doesn't limit you from advancing, taking the advancing action. And like what yeah. bothers me is that like so the five three in HB doesn't limit you from the advancing action, even though it gives you the click. This basically is like a super powerful like atlas, but it doesn't give you counters to use it on the fly. Five threes mm-hmm. are already so hard to score in Netrunner that aren't like defensive and take influence. Like GFI mm-hmm. is, is as good as it is because it's a defensive agenda and it takes influence. It has both those factors. So if I have a five three that if you steal gives you an, a, a real three points, it's not a defensive agenda. Like, give me the counters. Just give them to me. You've ar- you've yeah. already showed me that it- efficiency committee being good enough, in my opinion. You've already shown me you're willing to boost it on a five three to make it even better. Boost Atlas. It's gonna rotate out anyway. Help me. Mm. So I don't know. In short, I would not play it above like GFI or anything. I, like never, ever. Mm. I th- I think I think this card's awful, Wolfie. I think Jesse, what you said was right in that the worst time to get this ability is at the end of the corpse turn like i think that really sums it up the next card in the pack is illegal arms factory it's an asset facility illicit which makes sense because it's illegal uh three to res Mm. six to trash if the runner trashes illegal arms factory while it's installed take one bad publicity 
and worth pointing out that the card has to be rezzed in order for that ability to trigger. When your turn begins, gain one credit and draw one card. I I was like bemused when I read this card for the first time. Like, how can this possibly be good? Okay, so if if it's impossible for the runner to trash in an asset spam deck because it's part of some prison lock where you know you've got hostile infrastructure and you're net damaging them, obviously it's great. Like gaining a card, gaining a credit, and drawing a card for no clicks is a really powerful ability for for the corp to have. Um, but in any ordinary deck, is six to trash high enough when if you're playing some sort of asset based strategy, you're giving them a bad pub, which is sort of the worst thing to do. Like you can never play it in Gagarin, for example, right? I sort of see it sort of like Adonis was in Blue Sun for a while, like an influenceless Adonis in the sense that, you know, you can put it in your remote when you're not using it to score since you basically always want to have one remote and you want to be doing something something with one remote. Otherwise, things just get worse for you as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. And it gives you... Each turn it actually brings you... Like, getting one credit and drawing one card isn't that much worse than getting three credits, I think. Like... It might be a little bit worse, but I think that might actually it might actually be better to have the six trash cost compared to the three trash cost with Adonis, given that Adonis is usually trashed in Blue Sun out of a central. Mm-hmm. So I actually think that this if they if Blue Sun did want a card like this, a card that let you use your that let you use your remote to generate value over the course of the game without necessarily needing to expose yourself to the risk of installing and advancing an agenda. This card could fulfill that role. Mm. Like, I think the numbers are there for that. And in Blue Sun, the bad pub doesn't hurt you nearly as much. Yeah, and like, if you're going to put it in a remote, then it's like, six is a lot Mm. (laughs) for them, for the runner to spend, like, to deal with this. Like, it doesn't solve the primary problem, which is that it's really not that much value for the runner to run things that like there's no you're not pressuring the runner to run things that aren't advanced because it's not that easy to get to four or five points early yeah um so you're unlikely to be able to to run with this do you mean yeah yeah um but it is possible and in that situation in in that sort of style of deck i think that this card could definitely be playable Cool. Like, the numbers are there for it, I think, mm. is my point. Yeah, I agree with that. Hollis? No, I I also agree. Like, um, especially in Blue Sun, because you get the option to, get, like, uh, assuming assuming the runner doesn't trash it, um, you get the option to utilize that effect, and worst-case scenario, just pop it back, man. Add it back to your hand, and then if you don't need it, just trash it. Which cool. sounds silly. Uh, the card, the card's good if it's if they're not trashing it right. But I mean, if you're afraid, if you if you don't want to give, if you really don't want to give them the bad publicity for the remainder of the game, just pop it back. The game the three credits. Say I've got the the benefit out of this card and discard it. Yeah, and I think the fact that you can pop it back on the turn when you think you need your remote yeah. in Blue Sun with the ability obviously is really good. That's all we have time for tonight on episode 126 of The Winning Agenda. I'm your lovable Byroid sidekick, Wilfred E. Harig, here with Jesse Marshall and Hollis Echo, and we will be back next week as we finish off our Wayland and Neutral 
card review for the Terminal Directive expansion. As usual, if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so on Facebook at the Winning Agenda page. You can tweet at us at Winning Agenda. You can email us at the Winning Agenda at gmail.com or if you feel really inclined to support the work that we do in bringing you quality content about competitive Netrunner, then you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the winning agenda. Thanks for listening, and until next time, goodbye.